0: You're depressed because you're low in Iman. A religious person will never experience mental health issues. Suicide has nothing to do with the Muslim community. When it comes to the topic of faith and mental health, a lot has been said, some of which is correct and some of which needs correcting. To help clear our understanding, today I sit down with Ziad Sirhan. An accredited mental health educator who founded the organization educate which helps enlighten communities on the reality of mental health in the modern world it was an enlightening discussion and one which i found personally challenging but at the same time greatly rewarding i hope you enjoy the discussion
1: i was contacted by someone that you'd probably consider a religious figure You know, half of the Qur'an attended a prestigious Islamic institution for most of their life. uh, And I was contacted asking, look, I need help, I've got a mental health problem. And the first thing he said was, I am a wreck. Personally,
0: I know that you never Uh, began your professional career in this mental health space you started off as a as a high school teacher absolutely so what made you make that transition
1: yeah so i guess a lot of teachers start off in the profession wanting to you know change uh, the upcoming generation for the better right yeah and you know we have this revolutionary mindset uh, going into teaching and i think i kind of joined that uh, that movement so I uh, you know I slowly started to discover and connect with students at a different level within the classroom and the, you know the connections that were built with these students transcended you know the content knowledge around what we were teaching you know I still re- I, I can actually recall where students will disclose highly sensitive information in light of things that were happening in the media or things that they were watching on Netflix for example and relate it back to their personal experience but notice that in the classroom, it was a safe space enough for them to express, you know, how they were feeling.
0: So it was through your interaction with children and and, and the youth and, 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 and these, you know, teenagers that really made you want to go out and say, hang on, I, I want to help these people yeah. beyond the classroom walls. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And again, growing up as a young Muslim, you know, part and parcel of our values as, as a Muslim is not mm. to just think about yourself individually, but yeah. to kind of think about other people around you. So kind of having that communal paradigm or yeah. yeah perspective in the way we think about others
0: yeah there's that what's that hadith that goes so you know, the, the most beloved people to allah are those who are the most beneficial, beneficial to people so i guess that's what shifts into your uh, journey so to speak that you wanted to see how i can be most beneficial in terms of dealing with these young people yeah
1: absolutely you know, recounting the the events which led up to me making key decisions in my career was my interaction with a particular young Muslim youth. So I was involved in a street outreach program. And this particular boy, uh, you know, he was diagnosed with a, a psychotic illness, so namely mm. schizophrenia. And he came from a broken home, uh, you know, single parent. And I was put in contact with this young boy to try and help and mentor him you know, his mum got in contact with me and started asking me, you know, you need to look after this young, you know, you need look after him. He's Muslim, uh, you know, his you know, same background. So he came from a, a similar cultural background to mine. So I felt this extra obligation to want to, you know, to exert energy and effort to want to help him. And then, you know, I slowly started to find, you, you know, and again, being Muslim and being sincere and having good intention, I jumped in, you know, open arms and yeah. you know I, w- I wanted to help as bu- as best as I could yeah. and yeah so I embraced him and you know the first we came along and we met and whatnot, and he was really kind of withdrawn and I really f- I feel like he was affected th- by the side effects of the medication um, and one thing that you know one thing that ensued from that point was you know I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere with him in terms of my relationship with him or my interactions with him yeah. so it kind of made me think you know, and then the relationship ended up, you know, fizzled out, and you know, yeah. I, hopefully he's he's doing well now, but I, I didn't get in contact with him again, and it really left like a, a whole, a gaping hole in my heart, thinking that hold on, you know, you, you've there's, there's an emotional side to to, yeah. to to what you're doing here, and you're holding yourself to a really high standard, wow. so there was kind of a side effect from the way I thought I needed to help people, yeah. um, and then you know, fast forward to, you know, when I started teaching, I actually partook in a in a professional development course, which was the mental health first aid course. And, you know, that's with a light bulb moment. I looked back on that same incident with that young boy that I was helping and I was like, oh my God, wow, this is this is exactly what I needed. And it was that uh, that introspection to know that as a Muslim, it's not necessarily good intention that's gonna get you over the line. Well, yeah. It's not that good intention that's gonna automatically, you know, allow you to assist someone in the way they need to be assisted it was that good intention plus the correct or the right skill set and knowing what your limits are that's going to assist somebody or or yeah to assist somebody in terms of where they need to be i hope you're enjoying the discussion so
0: far if you haven't subscribed already to our youtube channel please do so by clicking subscribe and hitting the bell also if you are enjoying this podcast please consider heading over to our website at onepathnetwork.com and contributing whatever you can. Any donation will be greatly appreciated. Let's continue. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I guess you just like you really speak volumes when you when you speak about that specific incident because it comes back to as Muslims, we all have that enthusiasm. We all mm. have that that want to help others and yeah. really, you know, get involved. You hear someone suffering. You hear someone's going through a, a bout of depression. Oh, I'm going to help him. I wanna, yeah. I'm going to say this to him and I'm going to teach him about this and teach him about that and mm. it's going to, you know, miraculously work wonders on him and he's going to become good again. But we fail to realize. Hang on, man. You've got the good intention, but you also need to empower yourself or equip yourself with the right skill set, knowledge to go out and and deal with these issues head on. For sure. And 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 this is in no way trying to undermine people's efforts or intentions, because at the end of the day, you know, your good intentions is so um, valued right now. Mm. You're just missing that extra step to go out there. Absolutely. Get the extra set of knowledge and yeah. extra set of skills. And you can go out and really be, you know, you could really do wonders here. And uh, Ziad, I know that you actually held a course for imams and those working in in, in faith-based organizations Mm. to teach them the skills that they would need because I'm guessing they would be uh, received with an influx of people with mental health issues. Yeah. So how did that go down?
1: Yeah, so again, imams and, and community leaders are like... You know, frontline workers yeah. of a of a different level. Yeah. You know, they they they're expected to look after so many of the needs of the congregants that they're in charge of. Mm-mm. You know, per se. So what tends to happen is, you know, and that that's a lot of criticism kind of gets thrown in the way of imams or community leaders or people of authority in terms of, you know, uh, the way they deal with certain itua- situations, yeah. especially in terms of, you know, mental health and mental illness, etc. So you know one of the things that we do and we deliver, we deliver as part of uh, you know a service is the mental health first aid program and that's been received with open arms from the muslim community Yeah, props to the muslim
0: like props to the imams first and foremost because as you said mm. um there's a lot of uh, stigma and i guess a lot of demonization that occurs on social media against imams Absolutely. But hang on, we're seeing right here that the imams are at the forefront, equipping themselves with the knowledge. So we need to just like slow
1: down on the, yeah, on yeah. the keyboard. I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Again, it's we need to validate some of those criticisms. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's hard to kind of regulate uh, or limit those criticisms when everyone wants to have their say yeah, on social was, media. Yeah. But again, 100, percent you know, props to the imams that you know that did under you know partake in the course, and even one of the imams was saying that. You know he believes that it should be a a fard, a fard pretty much an obligation for each imam to actually undertake a course like that or yeah. an equivalent to be able to kind of understand what that framework is hmm. because again part and parcel of the mental health first aid program that's just one example of the programs we run is that it, it equips individuals with that mindset to know where their limits are yeah and that's extremely important right you don't want to overstep your mark yeah uh you, you know and and either cause someone more detriment mm. to the current situation.
0: Yeah, it's even like, uh, Islamically speaking, that's the, that's the correct way to do things. I mm. think it was al Aziz. he says, you know, uh, may Allah have mercy on the one who knows his his limits, and he sticks to his limits. So I think that that's, you know, Islamically speaking, that's the right approach to have. And, you know, on saying that, you're dealing with the imams, I'm sure that would have been a bit daunting coming from a, you know, a, a student perspective. Oh, yeah, you, you, now you're becoming the teacher of the teachers
1: of the ummah yeah uh, it was very uh, it was very confronting yeah. uh, and i had to keep reminding myself and you know the mentors around me to keep saying that you know you're kind of offering what you're offering within the framework of your knowledge right yeah, yeah. so it was it you was don't extremely rewarding yeah not not step on anyone's toes or anything like oh that, no yeah. 100% not yeah but, but it was good it, it, they kind of i think that was one of the most unique courses i've ever been involved in because all the case studies and examples that they gave were like wow like th- this stuff you don't often hear of um you know from our level right we, we it's very easy for us to kind of criticize those that are above us mm-hmm. but they also have their own experiences and their own uh situations that they have they've had to deal with and mm. they're not easy they're not yeah. like a, you know it's a straightforward approach
0: there's so many factors to consider yeah and i guess we, many of us i guess we belittle this kind of uh, oh it's so easy you don't have, you just have to say this you know don't say these 10 things and yeah. just say this one thing and everything will be perfect but hang on man this mm. is very very difficult. Yeah. So you know you're dealing with the the faith based workers what role do you see faith playing when it comes to mental health? You know I guess we've heard all this we've all, we've heard mm. all the you know misconceptions as started the, at the start of the the podcast or you know if if you're low in iman it means you're going to yep. be depressed. But in, in all honesty, I feel like faith does have a role to play. Yeah, for or, sure. So where, where do we…
1: I'm going to start off with a, with a small example, mm-hmm. right? And it was very recently, actually, I was contacted by someone that you'd probably consider a religious figure. You know, half of the Quran, um, you know, attended a prestigious Islamic institution for most of their life. Uh, and I was contacted asking, look, I, I need help. I've got a mental health problem. And okay, I I I said okay, let's chat. So you know we had we had a we had a picked up the phone and started speaking to to this uh, you know religious person, and the first thing he said was, "I am a wreck. My father destroyed me." And then, you know, I was kind of shocked. You know, that's the first. You know, he exclaimed that nearly, and then I was like, okay. Um, let's just kind of unpack what's going on. And he was saying, "Look, I'm f- afraid of speaking to a mental health professional. That's why I'm approaching you in your capacity as an educator in this space, as someone that raises awareness. And I need, you know, I need to, I, I need help." So we kind of had a, a preliminary discussion. Obviously, being mindful to to kind of stick within my parameters as an educator, and not kind of overstepping my mark. And he was mentioning that, or he did mention uh, that. During his childhood, he had a very traumatic childhood. His father was abusive, uh, not just to the siblings, but also to the pet, to, to to the mother, and you know would and literally robbed them of their self esteem and their confidence, despite their, uh, you know, despite the fact that they were really intelligent children that were being brought up. And Subhanallah, I was thinking to myself, wow, like if anything, this is a prime example of, uh, you know of smashing that stigma around faith versus mental illness because you had someone that was learned that was leading prayers daily half of the Quran Uh, you know he he was delivering lessons and you know he was saying that you you know the lessons that they would deliver would be affected because of this childhood trauma that's unresolved you know, he wouldn't have the confidence to, you know, he found it very difficult to deliver those courses and interact with people and individuals because of that lack of security that was uh, was provided for them in their childhood, for him in, the, in his childhood. And then, yeah, and I was just, you know, we went back and forth, etc. I went and kind of consulted a, a psychologist with regards to, you know, recommending a way forward. And and I, th- I think one of the biggest barriers for him, which is a side note, which we'll speak about, I guess, you know, soon, w- the whole idea of stigma and what shapes stigma, was his lack of knowledge around what constituted confidentiality. Like, if I go and speak to a psychologist, then my name's going to be put down with the government, and it's going to stop me from. So he was a bit possible- afraid of going. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that mm-hmm. was like a huge eye opener for me. That was just one, you know, that's one of many examples that, uh, you know, I can use in terms of smashing that stigma around yeah. faith versus depression or yeah. faith versus mental so, illness. So yeah. we
0: are seeing that there's I guess we can say a line between, you know, being someone who is, you know, pious and being someone who is depressed. They are not mutually exclusive. You can very well be someone who's pious, but at the same time be someone who's depressed. Yeah. For and sure. you can be someone who's, you know, uh, you know, the opposite as well. But what we're trying to say is, you know, these things do exist
1: even amongst those who yeah. are religiously practicing. But and, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to add to that cuz uh, I was actually listening to a uh, a, a Muslim uh, professional, a Muslim mental health professional who yeah. always ha- also happens to be a sheikh. And he was saying that when we look at mental health and mental illness and distress, I think sometimes because of the world we're being brought up in where there seems to be so much perfection online through social media, etc., we often forget that, you know, that people do struggle. Yeah. And kind of having that validated you know, through your faith is a big deal. Wow. You know, the the whole idea of, you know, that nobody is immune from struggles and hardships. Uh, you know, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know he says in the Quran, right? Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he will test us with, you know, with with fear. And how interesting he was saying that uh, that first the first thing he mentions is based on an emotion, fear slash anxiety. Wow. Yeah. And you know and that's part of the spiritual journey and having that validated the whole idea of struggle, you know, whether you're being, uh, you're being tested with, you know, a difficult life event or a difficult, uh, you know, a difficult, uh, obstacle in, in overcoming with regards to your education or your work, you know, now with the whole economic, uh, crisis, crisis and through. whatnot. Yeah. Mm. Th- there's, there seems, to, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, an, an uh, uh, how do you, what do you say? Like, a a shaking of the foundations in terms of, you know, what we rely on to survive as human beings. So how yeah. are we going to kind of get through that and understand that, okay, that we need to be able to navigate and embrace um, these difficulties and it's these stresses. And, and faith provides that, uh, you know, faith provides the anchor, if you want to call it, to, to being able to cope with those situations.
0: Well, I guess like we can see in certain instances where, you know, faith... And, and, and mental health are separate. But then at the same time, there are many instances when faith can help someone and assist someone who is suffering, struggling with yeah, mental health. I guess, sure. you know, um, I, I remember doing, actually, I remember doing a course with you once mm. and, and you were saying that one of the contributing factors to, I guess, depression or anxiety was a lack of purpose mm. or having this, you know, or, or fear. And then when, when it comes to our faith, our faith is there to anchor you As you said mm. It's there to give you a purpose It's there to remind you that You know Even when times get tough When there is a struggle You know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there Yeah And subhanahu. everything is in the hands mm. of Allah And you know Although our faith does I guess I wanted to Draw this with you as well Our faith does tell you You know mm. Allah is with those who are patient In Allah loves those who are patient And then I guess there's a bit of a misconception. People say, Oh, don't tell people, just be patient. Mm. I guess that that that's an interesting one. But um I guess it's it just depends on a case by case scenario or, or the exact circumstances of when you do tell someone to just stay patient, because then it can as as, as you've mentioned, it can backfire.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And mm. again, the whole idea of, you know, of patience isn't just to kind of sit idly by and wait for the cloud to pass. Yeah it's about kind of being proactive in terms of alleviating the distress, mm. right? Doing
0: what you can within your means. Absolutely, to- yeah,
1: for sure. And you know, the, the one hadith that really brings me solace personally and, and and contentment is that one where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, oh, sorry, the Prophet wasallam, he said uh, that, you know, uh, you know, عجباً لأمر المؤمن. Yeah. You know, Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. me if I'm yeah. if I'm misquoting it, but yeah. you know that the, the the believers' affairs are amazing, yeah. pretty much paraphrasing, and that you know if if a hardship befalls him, mm. then he's patient, and if you know something good happens to him, he he thanks and he and he gives shukr to Allah subhanahu wa taala, mm. and and for that like that's amazing, right? Because mm. it it kind of it really it it really validates the idea that and I keep using this word validate, but I think it's important that we don't kind of push it to the side. Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that you will be faced with hardship. Mm. You know, if we look at the Prophets, you know, they they were, you know, the, the epitome of, you know, their da'wah was, was having to navigate through struggles you know, with their people, with delivering the message, undergoing severe persecution, etc. Mm. And, you know, even closer to the Prophet, when we look at, you know, how he dealt with grief, for example, as one, you know, one uh, example of you know how he dealt with a very powerful and strong emotion when his son Ibrahim uh, passed away. You know, and you know he let himself cry and and kind of and he channeled those emotions towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Subhanallah, yeah, no, it's it's actually a, it's a beautiful
0: thing the way I guess we can interplay between our faith and and if we do have mental health issues, mm. but if we, I guess, in essence, there is a role for faith. But overall, yeah. overarching, we're saying that you know when 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 push comes to shove, when it gets really bad, and when things do mm. come into play, we need to have that, I guess, the, the qualified uh, intervention.
1: Yeah. So if, if I can just kind of hone in on that a, a little bit, right? We, we we kind of term religion, mm. you know, or faith as a protective factor from someone falling uh, falling into the ditch. You mm. know, if we can kind of term, you know, someone that's you know mentally unwell that needs the psychological help as someone that's falling into the ditch you know the faith provides them not to kind of well, it contributes to them avoiding falling in the ditch but it's still possible that they can fall in that ditch definitely and when they do fall in that ditch kind of you know you know seeking the the appropriate help to get them back out that's yeah. pretty much how I'd like to look at it another example that was you know once mentioned to me was you know I just imagine that you know when someone is mentally unwell it's like a covering over their you know over their mind Mm -hmm. and it kind of affects the faith that going in and out Mm -hmm. so that's yeah that the the, that interplay between faith versus illness yeah yeah so that's
0: that's very interesting you know once you lift that veil which is you know it it could be like any other illness that's that's physically harming the body we're saying this mental illness is also physically or mentally harming the body and once you just i guess treat that we can allow the faith Mm. to come in and, and assist where where need be yeah
1: I wanted to bring up something important here, which was the terminologies that we often use around, you know, talking about mental health, mental illness, etc. And one activity I love to do actually with my participants, uh, or you know, the people that I'm delivering the course or a seminar to, is to kind of start off from that very point. How do we often define mental health? Mm-hmm. And this actually happened. I was facilitating a uh, a panel discussion amongst Mashayikh and uh, Mashayikhat. It's a pretty That's a word. Yeah, yeah, that's a word. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Uh, anyways, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I was facilitating a discussion, and the first—that's the first question I asked—and I was kind of, you know, being in this space and always, you know, paying close attention to the language that we use goes a long way in terms mm. of breaking down that stigma. And we often use mental health in replacement for mental illness. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I've fallen to that. Yeah, again, society wise, yeah.
1: yeah, we interchangeably use physical, sorry, mental health for mental illness. Yeah. But we don't necessarily do that with physical health and physical illness, right? We don't, yeah. you know, if I say, how's your physical health, you're automatically going to assume, you know,
0: are you going to the gym? Are you exactly right. right.
1: Yeah. But if I say, how's your mental health? You're automatically, not you, the general populace, right? They're mm. going to kind of go to the, the assumption to start answering question, oh, am I depressed? Am I anxious? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going through the list of mental illnesses. Mm. Whereas when we actually break the fa- we differentiate that mental health and mental illness are two different things. And when we are talking about our mental health, it's more than just the absence of disease. Mm. And when we, if for example, we look at the definition from, The World Health Organization. What is mental health? They break it down. They say that mental health is a state of well-being where the individual, there's four parts, right? Realizes their own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and it's, and are able to make a contribution to their community.
0: Well, wow, that's a, who on earth has mental health after it, yeah. that? Yeah, like that's a very high definition of what. Absolutely, yeah.
1: and again, like so be it. That men, you know, mental health is more than just the absence of an illness. It's not. It's not. Our being depressed or feeling suicidal that necessarily means oh that might, I have bad mental health?
0: Mm. Are you feeling well? I guess we can say. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you
1: feeling well? You can ask how's your mental health, yeah. but for people to assume that it automatically means an illness or the absence of an illness, I think is, uh, you know, it can be slightly problematic. So I guess when we're talking, you know, unpacking the conversation, it's extremely important that we we differentiate and we start off with, you know, language. Because language, you know, it shapes the way we communicate. It shapes the way that, you know, perceptions are built, especially in society. Mm. And, you know, relating that back to uh, what we were speaking about before, you know, and and accessing support when we do need it, right? Because we were talking about faith and faith and what happens if somebody, you know, do we discount professional help, mm. right? So when we are talking about mental health, mental illness or mental ill health, we need to also appreciate that just like, you know, if you were to physically become ill and need to go see a doctor, then the same thing happens if you're mentally ill or you fall in that, you know, you know, that zone of not feeling so well. And that's not a fixed state. No. Yeah. yeah.
0: So let, let let's um let, let, let's let us um let us let us role play right now. Okay. I guess um you're a person who teaches people how to deal with people that have mental health. Yeah. So so just just yeah. a
1: reframe. So I I equip the layman, if yeah. you want to call him, mm-hmm. you know, through education, mm-hmm. how to approach and assist someone that's starting to become unwell.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for instance, say for example, I mm-hmm. know someone who's suffering from a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. What's the process? Again, should I uh, yeah. abstain? Should I avoid? How how do we go about this?
1: I think there's a few key points that mm. you can kind of keep in mind. Mm. And again, going back to understanding what your limits are, I think is a yeah. is a great start, right? That's the, yeah, before approaching, uh, you know, knowing what your limits are and understanding are you the right person to approach them. Mm. You, know, you might not necessarily be the best person to approach them, especially yes. if you know it's someone that's you know distant to you or. So
0: the proximity you may have with the person. Absolutely.
1: Practicing cultural safety as well is a a huge thing. Like uh, is the person that you're approaching, what's their cultural background when it comes to having conversations of that nature? Mm -hmm. So practicing cultural safety, equipping yourself with the skills to understand, you know, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. And then I guess that's like a pre-entrance into, you know, approaching the person. When you do approach them, you know, Approach them being uh, you know, approach them at a suitable time, at a suitable place, you know, express uh, the fact that you want to listen to them. Or you don't necessarily need to express that, but you need to show that you're listening to them. And when I mean listening to them, not listening to them just with your ears, but yeah. listening to them with your words. Yeah, being present, I guess. Being present, listening with your words, with your body language. All this kind of plays into what it means to listen to somebody. And subhanallah, I was actually speaking to a psychologist Um, actually our team psychologist and I was asking them you know I was presenting the framework that the mental health first aid course gives and he was saying that he thinks in his opinion that listening is probably one of the most important aspects in terms of the action plan we give to participants wow yeah because again we often we love to talk (laughs) we love to talk we listen to respond and not listen to to understand right and and i give this example all the time like back you know, in my staff room, I used to, you know, I'd be missing for a few days, Either I'd be sick or, you know, my, my child would be sick. Mm-hmm. And I'd go back and, you know, and they ask me, you know, how's your kid? You know, is everything all right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at that point, I needed just an avenue to talk about, you know, yeah. the hardships. SubhanAllah, yeah. so, like, you know, it's, it provides a relief just knowing that the people there can serve as yeah. sounding boards. Yeah. And then straight away, uh, the conversation will turn into something about them. And their kids and their family, and then I was like, Subhanallah, like, weren't you just asking me about myself? Subhanallah. And that kind of, and then I'm like, all right, I'll, I better kind of step away from the conversation now. That was a bit, you know, a, a bit weird, and it kind of it had me feeling like, did they really care about what I was going through in the first place? I guess you know what I mean? You, you
0: just like. I feel like that's so important and it's so misunder I guess it's it's so um undermined the importance of this 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 major act of just listening mm. and, and as you said listening to actually understand and not listening to just respond. And mm. I guess you reminded me of this subhanAllah just came to me right now, this story of, of the Prophet. <laughs> he comes into the masjid and he sees a companion, I think his name was Abu Umama. Mm. and he's just sitting all by himself. <laughs> And the man's sitting all by himself, and the Prophet ﷺ is, is, you know, is intrigued. Why, why is this companion sitting all by himself? There is no, mm. it's not a prayer time, and he's just, you know, no one surrounding him. So what brings him here? He asks him, you know, why are you here, Khali? And you know, why do I see you alone? And he says, I think he said, um, uh, "Humum wadu d- wa and He goes, I have so many worries and so many mm. debt. And the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he, the fact he was just willing to listen. Mm. And 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 when <coughs> he does respond, you know he gives him that that famous dua, Allahumma inni alhammi wal, ha- wal hazan. I, I seek refuge in you from I seek refuge in Allah from from sadness and and grief. But I <coughs> feel like there's that important note of just listening to someone and asking them, you know, how is everything? Mm. How are you going? And I yeah, guess that's where for it all sure. starts, yeah. man.
1: Absolutely. So yeah. I love that example yeah. that you gave. Even you can like use it in your course now. <laughs> 100%. Especially with a Muslim audience, I think it will reverberate really well with them. Yeah. And even like the Prophet Sallam, even you know, you said you we're going to talk about like young people and their mental health. Mm-hmm. But even the way the Prophet Sallam interacted with young people, mm-hmm. you know, that story of the young girl that would take the Prophet Sallam, you know, by mm-hmm. the hand and you know, allow him to walk the streets of Medina, right? And you know, just the rahmah he had towards you know, people of all ages, and showing them through his actions and wow. his, you know, his, uh, you know, his words, wow. what it means to actually listen. Well, wow. yeah. I guess
0: that the way we deal with young people, I guess especially in today's day and age, it's so crucial because, um, I guess from your studies and from what mm. I've heard from you previously, we're seeing that mental health is on the rise at a at an exponential kind of rate. Like mm. right now, mental health issues are. are, are Absolutely. Increasing rapidly. Mm. So, we really need to be concerned about this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why is this the case?
1: Yeah. So, statistically, I've gathered a few statistics around youth mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Youth mental health or youth youth, uh, mental ill health is the leading cause of disability amongst young people.
0: So, mental health is considered a disability? Not considered a disability. Sorry,
1: no, it's not considered uh, in terms of disabling someone to fulfill. Relationships or to attend to their day to day needs. Well, yeah, yeah, the disabling factor. Mm. It's the leading cause of of the amongst other you know I- illnesses. So there's, there was a, a scale which was derived to kind of measure both physical and mental illnesses and their disabling factor or their dis, their, their weight, yeah the disabling factor on individuals and they found that mental illness was the the major contributor. It's also the leading cause or it's the leading burden of disease for young people wow. for at 45% so why
0: is this the case though like why are we seeing now in 2020 that it's growing so fast like yeah. are there contributing factors we should be aware of yeah
1: absolutely yeah and, and again it goes back to that question I always get asked you know but you know what's w- causing it what's causing it, it? exactly yeah. right even like amongst you know my friends and whatnot, you know they talk about mental health you know but what causes it is it mm. this or that again it's a complex the, the, the basic answer to that it's a complex interplay yeah. between risk factors uh-huh. You know, whether it's biological, mm. um, you know, social, psychological, etc. Mm. Different factors, you know, interplay with each other, interact with each other. Wow. And, you know, that kind of can offset a mental illness. Wow. And with young people specifically, we know that, you know, so much is happening in their life, in their world. You know, young people are, are growing up. You know, they're reaching the age of puberty. They're entering adolescence at yeah. you know twelve and fourteen, the average ages. Yeah, the puberty blues, they call Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, and uh, you know that's a that's an extremely important time for them. They're, f- they're developing not just physically, but also psychologically and socially. And then there's all these other you know external things that play into their development, whether it's you know you know their the social environment, the home that they're being brought up in, mm. uh, you know society.
0: Peer pressure, I think peer pressure in, in high school is like next to nothing. I don't think you can compare it with anything else. Just, you know, in the classroom, there's so much, I guess, testosterone mm. being thrown around and, and we're just like on the edge just because of the peer pressure that's around
1: you 100%. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Mm. And it, again, you know, social media plays another big role. Yeah, that's the next big thing. Yeah, and and what tends to happen, so if if you want to imagine that, you know, back, you know, 50 years ago, Growing up was a lot different than growing up now. You had, you know, teenagers entering adolescence, which was the age of, say, twelve to seventeen, that range, entering that, and then either finishing school and transitioning straight into work, or and marriage, mm. and there was no delay between those two phases. Now you you have a third phase in between. So you have adolescence, then you've got young adulthood. They've, you know, the the the, mm. the literature terms young adulthood say from the ages of 18 to 29 Mm. and then adulthood starts at 29 wow so that that phase in between you know the young adulthood phase plays an extremely you know it's an extremely important phase because it's a time of instability you have individuals that you know are educated and they've you know they're starting to go through their tertiary education but also kind of transitioning into work Mm. and you know the median number of work uh, work changes in, You know For the a- average American Was eight So they'll have Eight career changes Or eight changes In their work environment On average In that time period right. You know Individuals are also Kind of exploring The whole idea of relationships And wanting to seek That stability mm. So What tends to happen now Is that There's That extended period Before they get to adulthood Has also given rise To a lot of You know Mental il- m- mental uh, Issues Mm. Or mental ill health, because of that those expectations, um, the instability, and they can kind of offset certain ways of coping, mm. whether it's through substance misuse, or you know, uh, feeling extremely anxious, uh, you know, and and you know depressive disorders and whatnot. Well, yeah. like I guess there's just so
0: much pressures on. You know, young adults, youth, teenagers, so to speak, and I guess it's coming from multiple fronts, the school, relationships, work, finances, Mm. and even like in the home, like maybe someone was mistreated by their parents, as you mentioned at the start of the episode. I feel like there's just so much things we need to look out for to ensure that we have that uh, wellness in terms of our mental health. And I want to um, go a bit deep right now and, and I want to give a bit of a disclaimer. This may be a sensitive issue. So those that are uh, sensitive to, to the topic of suicide, I, I guess we can probably fast mm. forward. I want to speak to you about suicide, um, not only in the wider community, but maybe even the Muslim community. I know it's a, a major taboo, right? Absolutely. But the fact is it does happen mm. and I feel like you know, as an educator, mm. you have a lot to, to contribute in terms of keeping people alive. Yeah, for know? sure. So so yeah, and, what and are the stats saying and what can we do?
1: Absolutely. And again, was just reiterating mm. what Kamal said, that this might be a, a sensitive topic and it might mm. kind of... Uh, Offset certain ways of feeling or bring back memories, etc. Or you know, even statistically, you know, fifty percent of Australians would be touched by suicide. Oh wow, that, that's yeah. huge. You know, whether it's someone in their local community, family, etc. So just keeping that in mind before we kind of progress, you know, the topic of suicide is a very important conversation to have, you know, in society right now. It is the leading cause of death in young people aged sixteen to twenty-four
0: that's scary that's actually that's a very scary statistic
1: yeah and and even the way suicide data is collected and you know the declaration of a death by suicide those measures are very narrowed so a lot of experts are saying that this figure is even extremely conservative wow because if there's any doubt around a death by suicide it's not counted Uh, I guess you know as a community we need to kind of open up this conversation again you know People don't like to talk about it. They just like to kind of put the haram label on it and push it to the side yeah. and and feel like that's going to be enough to deter somebody from, you know, engaging in the act mm-hmm. or having those thoughts. A- again, part and parcel of you know hardships, extreme hardship, some individuals might have those thoughts um, of wanting to end their life and end the pain that they might be in. So as individuals, as neutral people that aren't in that state, we need to we need to kind of keep a few things in mind. I think the first thing is, you know, the language we use around suicide, um, you know, especially what's pushed out there, you know, suicide being successful or unsuccessful, suicide being a, you know, you know, saying committing suicide, yeah, you know, you know, I know this is kind of contentious. You have yeah. what I'm saying, but you know, it is a sin, etc. Yeah. Even in that whole sphere, right? I've asked many mashayekh or a handful of mashayekh at the very least, and there's always been that um, conversation around, you know, somebody that enacts suicide. Have they done so out of, you know, are they sane? Are they insane at that moment, etc. And that affects obviously what gets counted after that. You Mm -hmm. know, and that's in Allah's hand. So as Muslims, I think we need to kind of, all right, separate the act itself from how we approach somebody that might be in that state. Yeah. Okay. So all right, you know, I'm learning. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So someone's in that state. Okay, it's haram, not haram, etc. But how do we approach the, the conversation, and how do we open it up with individuals, mm. um, you know, that might be suicidal because of, you know, certain life circumstances, um, etc. Mm. So, I think that's yeah, that, that's that's a starting point in terms of the conversation around uh, around how we should kind of open up the conversation.
0: And I guess if they do need help, you should, um, I guess, direct them to the appropriate people. But at the same time, be mindful of, you know, the fact that, yes, we know it's haram, we know it's a sin, but our goal in dealing or, or interacting with someone who has these thoughts is not necessarily to inform them that it's haram, our goal is to save their life. Absolutely. And you know, whatever by any means necessary, mm. if you are going to save their life, you know, come, you know, the one who saves a life is like he saved all of humanity, mm-hmm. as Allah says in the Quran. That's the goal right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. And and again, when we look at you know some, you know, the attempts, they say that roughly, people who attempt suicide are ten times more than the people that die by suicide. Well, wow. so you have individuals that you know are high risk as well. You know for the individuals that do attempt suicide and don't die by suicide, you know they have to live with the guilt of you know having to you know f- for example, knowing that they failed at something that was going to end their pain wow. you know what I mean yeah. so somebody that's in the state of being feeling suicidal isn't necessarily someone that's rational mm. you know that's thinking straight, et cetera they, you know they've been overwhelmed with extreme pain and having that that basic empathy to know that you can play a role in assisting this person is extremely important
0: so have that empathy that that love yeah. I guess you know show them that hey i i, I care about you you know yeah. and i feel like that that's like so pivotal so important and even like in the quran when allah speaks about suicide you know in, in that very verse walla taqtuloo anfusakum mm. don't kill yourselves the direct you know ayah, uh, the, the, the the direct words right after that do not kill yourselves Allah is you know with you merciful you know love first like I, I feel like if you direct, uh, connect with them on that love and that empathetic uh, uh kind of manner you would be I am I, 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 I'm 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 lost for words. Like I'm I'm very sensitive with the way I address this, but I feel like that empathy is is so crucial right now.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And again, empathy and having that you know that right that right mind frame, you know, approaching that situation is extremely important. Again, coupled with the right skills. Mm. So having that. Framework to know how you need to help somebody. What are the different signs? You know, educating yourself around what are the signs and symptoms. What are the warning signs? You know, how do you know somebody's approaching that point or is in that state? Yeah. You know, how do you do you ask them directly or indirectly? Mm-hmm. You know, these are all skills that um, we impart through a- our education courses. And mm-hmm. subhanAllah it's actually something that we're going to be working on equipping the imams with. So the same group, um, mm-hmm. imams and community leaders, inshallah once this covid mm. situation uh, dies Allah down
0: Allah make it <laughs> i mean yeah
1: so actually giving them the skills yeah. you know for example as uh, but it's are uh, are skills that need to be uh, you know everyone needs to have them not yeah. necessarily just one part of society
0: i guess what i appreciate about appreciate about this discussion is the fact that you know you're coming from a field of look i'm i'm ready to teach you Yep. And I feel like on, on, on social media, there's a lot of shaming that goes around. Oh, mm. you're not doing the right thing. Oh, this is wrong. This is not how you deal with it. But I guess like when we come from the field of education, educating people, I feel like it's so much more important mm. and so much more effective considering the fact that we're all learning. Absolutely. Like there's no need for arrogance in terms of this issue. We're all learning. Mm. We all make mistakes. Mm. And on top of that, it's, it's not easy you know, dealing with mental health or dealing with people, loved ones, close people that have mental health issues. So I feel like we're not coming from a, you know, we're looking down at anyone right Mm. here. We're here to teach everyone and we're all learning.
1: We're all in this together, man. For sure. hundred percent. And, you know, and understanding that if someone does fall in that ditch or, you know, goes through that tough time and are, you know, clinically mentally ill it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stay like that for the rest yeah. of their life yeah. you know they can for every single mental illness there's a an evidence based treatment for it you yeah. know whether it's through talking therapies or or medication etc they've all been proven to assist somebody and you can find plenty of examples online of you know individuals with their own lived experience of mental illness wow. you know even on the topic of you know people that have attempted suicide yeah. going out now and, and inspiring young people you know sharing their story and I yeah. think that's extremely powerful, right? Creating those spaces, those safe spaces to have these sensitive discussions, whether it's online or offline.
0: I guess also when it comes to having these sensitive discussions, there is a bit of a stigma surrounding men Mm. seeking help or men coming out of their shells to you know, hey, I I need some help. Yeah. So, is, is, do you see that? Like
1: a hundred percent, yes. Yeah. But young boys, you know, all the time, macho men. Hundred, you know. Recently, actually, in one of the cohorts that we ran the teen mental health course with, you know, it was a year ten student, and you know they were the most annoying kids yeah, yeah. to teach at the start. And I love those students, right? Because you win them over, and then by the third session, they were almost in tears, talking about like how much this course meant to them, and you know the outlook on. Not just their own mental health, but what it actually means to be a mate, mm. right? Because again, for guys or for men, being a mate isn't just about, it's just mainly about, you know, socializing, et cetera, but it's not providing that emotional support or opening up about your emotions, which mm. goes back to what you were saying about before. You know, men's mental health is such a, a massive topic that needs to be uh, open, Yeah. Going back to suicide statistics, 75% of suicides are males. Wow, that's yeah. scary, man. Yeah, so, and again...
0: Why, why is that the case? I, I guess you've got to be... Uh, there's
1: Yeah, there's there's different factors. I guess mm. one of the main factors that really sticks out for me is the whole idea of how men are regulated to deal with issues. Mm. You know, we're brought up from a young age to, to kind of hide our emotions and, you know, speak... You know about things that don't relate to our feelings. Mm. You know, and act in certain ways, and deal with situations Not with your anger. To seek that help. Yeah, mm. yeah. And what that tends to happen is it kind of hides a lot of, you know, mm. issues that might be might be there that might come out later.
0: Wow. And I guess there's also that that heightened expectation upon men to to perform yeah. to make money. I guess there's that you know. I guess women have it too, but with men, I guess as a man, I can say that that expectation is there. Mm. You know, the community puts it there. The you know social media puts it there. That as a man, you need to be successful, for and sure. that can actually be quite detrimental for yeah. someone who isn't.
1: Absolutely. And again, obviously, if females have their own challenges, mm. and and men yeah. have their own challenges. Yeah. But yeah, on the topic of men, yeah, I totally agree with that. That yeah. you know the challenges you know are exacerbated by the expectations that society puts on us for sure
0: well I guess may Allah you know alleviate all the 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 problems and the the mental health issues that people are experiencing around the world Um, Ziyad it's been an absolute pleasure discussing all these topics with you i i learned a lot and i sure hope everyone watching also learned a lot this was a sensitive issue um i was a bit hesitant to to go in this you know uh face first i was a bit hesitant but because i know that there's so much to learn when it comes to this topic Mm. and i really thank you no thank you so
1: much for having me and again just a a closing message Mm. thank you to one path network for inviting Mm. me and for any listener that's out there you know this is an extremely sensitive topic. Yeah. You know I, I urge you to kind of take control of your mental health, educate mm. yourself mm. around this topic, and make sure that you're equipped with the skills to you know seek help or encourage others to seek the help that they might need to ensure that they are able to you know better you know thrive through life.
0: Jazakallahu khairan. Thank you so much. Pastor Thank you so JazakAllah khairan. May Allah reward you for this service you're giving to the Muslim community. Amen. For all those that are watching, if you are suffering or you know someone who's suffering, we ask Allah to alleviate their pain. We ask Allah to, to enable them to experience wellness and and and, and really good mental health uh, into the future. Uh, may Allah bless you all. Thank you for watching. If you did enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave us your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa بركاته.